Hey guys, it's another Joystick Jockeys uh, episode uh, five. five. Five, yeah, there you go. With me, Ruben Medina, and DJ Kirkland. That's Who me. knows what episode it is, and I don't, obviously. <laughs> and we got a special guest this week. We do, we do. It's a good friend of mine that lives up in the, the wonderful Pacific Northwest. The wet, rainy Pacific Northwest. Um, this is Brady. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, so yeah, my name is Brady Hagen, and uh, I work over at three four three. That's pretty cool. Making them, making them halos. Making them halos. All the pretty halos. excited. I'm pretty excited about actually. I really liked four a lot, so I'm pretty excited about five. Yeah, five's gonna be a good time. Yeah, four yeah. was really fun. Like I don't really play the shoot 'em up games all that often, but Halo's definitely a fun one. I was definitely right. most fond of Halo two, but you know, four was four was a lot of fun, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to playing the new one installment totally totally uh so before we get into this uh thank you guys for inviting me on this is a huge deal i love listening to your podcast so this will be a fun time thanks Uh, Thanks. i do have a bit of a disclaimer um i am under nda from microsoft so there are certain things that i can't talk about which we discussed before we recording um (laughs) so any views that i state on this program um are my personal views and do not reflect the company that i work for or 343 industries or the halo brand Cool. Cool. That's Some fair. legalese. Le- nice. Legal- yeah. so legalese real quick. I think that's we're legit now. I mean, we actually have someone on the show who had to read an NDA before saying anything outside of his name. Brady, you just took our show from like bullshit to like a real show. <laughs> right. Whoa. Right. But now, now I'm going to actually now I'm going to be like, okay, but how does Halo 5 end? What's the end? <laughs> I have no idea. I can honestly say I have no idea. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so ruben what have you been playing i kind of have an idea of what you've been playing but i mean, I mean... A... god damn it <laughs> um so you know uh it's weird the fall and winter are always like terrible for me because it's so many big titles coming out so i'm like all right how do i like how do i prioritize what i'm playing so um the destiny taken i'm a huge destiny nut um like I've, i'm super gross about that game because it's the only i thought i wasn't playing an mmo because i've always told myself that i won't play an mmo because i'll get addicted and it'll be terrible and then like destiny pulled the rug out from under me and was like surprise it's an mmo motherfucker like right so uh now i'm like just terribly addicted to it that so was that, one of my favorite things like before that game came out how many people were like no it's not an mmo and it's like no that's totally that's totally an mmo that's coming out <laughs> Everything about it is an MMO. It's just yeah. you shoot things uh, instead of like, you know, I don't know, uh, like right click stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Taken King comes out on Wednesday. Okay. So I'm, tr- I'm trying desperately to beat MGS 5 in the meantime before it comes out. Okay. And uh, that seems more and more impossible because I'm about 45 hours in and the game's completion uh, percentage says 30% complete. Oh, oh God. <laughs> that said, there's 50 story missions in the game. I'm at like mission 26, so I'm like, I'm definitely like halfway through the core story. Mm-hmm. But there's also 157 side operations. Oh my god! And from what I've heard is that once you beat like the core game, a lot of the actual story of the game is in those side operations that like you more more of them that you gain access to after the game. Really? Um, that game is I like. I'll talk about it for a, qu- a quick minute, I guess. Sure, but. Sure. Uh, if you're a big Metal Gear Solid fan, it's not like Metal Gear Solid in any way. Um, yeah. It's, it's like Far Cry. It's yeah. very, very much like Far Cry in a lot of ways. Um, and it's really, really good, and it still has that, that sort of Kojima quirkiness 
of like, you know, the, the Fulton device, which if you guys are not familiar with it in the series, it's basically <laughs> when you knock things out, uh, like knock soldiers out, or in this case, like animals, like I have a menagerie at my mother base, basically my home base uh, <laughs> of just like my dream. They, they all get quarantined to this, uh, this one platform that's basically a zoo. But uh, like I kind of just wish they'd let them run around because my platform would be more animals and soldiers. Um, but anytime you <laughs> knock a soldier out, you can attach a balloon to their ass basically and lift them out. And then through, I'm sure like very humane means you convince <laughs> them to be a part of your army. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's just like, it's a very different game. The story is barely there. Um, like there's cutscenes here and there, mm-hmm. but the story is really light. Most of the story is in cassette tapes, which kind of replaces codec calls, yeah. but it's more passive. You can do stuff and that's interesting, but it's like, they put all of the story on those cassette tapes. As opposed huh. to like, there's just very few moments in that game. Like I would say once every, most of the missions you do are just like, oh, this guy's important. You need to get him. And then you get a little bit of information about what's going on in the story. Like after that. And then every so often you get a cutscene. But the, the like, the very like distinct storytelling and narrative that Kojima usually has is not really present in the game. Um, I love it mechanically. I don't necessarily love it as a narrative like Kojima Metal Gear game, though. Right. So would you say that Metal Gear Solid Five is like the less Kojima e of the of the series? Because it seems like, do with all that the shitstorm that has been happening with Konami, mm-hmm. that, like it feels like he's a lot more further removed from from this, and it's all pretty much it's it's still it's still a Kojima game, but like it feels like le- like he's being taken further and further away from it because like you are there any of those like really long cinematic cutscene events in the game like there were in previous ones or i've I've heard there are um it's interesting the prologue to the game is amazing the first Mm -hmm. hour which is not the rest of the game is like breathtaking and it's very kojima to me Mm -hmm. um it's it's just like it's it's supernatural and and fucked up and really cool um the environments in this game because it's open world the world is almost too big and yeah. there's not quite enough variance. Like if you played ground zeros, which was the, the like prequel to this, mm-hmm. um, they did a good job of that map being not terribly big, but there's like interesting, it was all one like base camp basically. Yeah. So there's interesting places that serve purposes and all of that mm-hmm. here. So far the two places I have access to, and I don't know if there's more, but I have Afghanistan and Zaire mm-hmm. and there's just like so much map with nothing in it between outposts and bases oh. um again very much like far cry mm-hmm. that it just feels like i'm traveling frequently a lot yeah um so, but as far as like the kojima thing um two things there's technically like two chapters in this game um and then people with the pc version have unearthed what appears to be content that should have been a third chapter mm. uh, which fits what I've heard about the ending is that the ending's very unsatisfying and doesn't seem done. Like the game got rushed out, um, um, and still got nine and, and nines and tens in reviews, but the game got rushed out before it was really done. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, this is I don't know if a game could more completely or or uh, more completely like encapsulate and show the death of Japanese game development. And it, it, it's succumbing to Western game development and design. Um, mm. Because, like, mechanically, this game is all very much like what we've seen from Western studios. Right. And this is probably the last, this is probably the last retail game from Konami, like, outside of maybe PES soccer titles. Because um, Konami doesn't want to make 
console games anymore. They want to make pachinko machines because it makes more money. Uh, sexy pachinko machines. Sexy, yeah, sexy pachinko machines. <laughs> and they want to still use like they want to still make like pachinko machines that are like Metal Gear themed or Castlevania themed because people want to play those. <sighs> but they don't want to make the games because there's so much money to sink into these big titles. Um, and it's like that's just it is this weird thing where it's like playing this almost feels like um, and it's funny because this is a very on point with Metal Gear. Uh, mythos especially this one as you get more into it mm. but it feels like western game design and not I, I love a lot of western game design but it feels like western game design as sort of this like virus taking over metal gear where there's like small things that let you know that it's a kojima game and it's it's very japanese mm-hmm. um but so many of those things were sacrificed in favor of using um what i would say in most cases are better like western game design mechanics mm-hmm yeah, I mm, that kind of makes me sad. It's like a farewell to to like really well well established Japanese game developers, and it's it's unfortunate. Like I I've said this before, and I've said it um, before in the past, mainly about Capcom, and I'll 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 talk about this briefly. But I feel like what drew us to those titles, like Street Fighter and Castlevania, and and even though that's not a Capcom game, but you get the idea. Like, Street Fighter games and Mega Man games and Breath of Fire and, like, all those other games like that is that they were so they were so Japanese. Like, they were so just, like, vastly different from what American games were, were, were at the time. And as more things from, from Japan became more popular in the United States and Europe and all that stuff, um, they started to cater more to the American audience in things. And I feel like in doing that, they started losing some of those sensibilities that made us interested in their stuff to begin with in the first place. So it's like, no, keep all those weird, like quirky, like Japanesey things that are in these titles. Keep making that stuff, like keep making that stuff, but you could still borrow and lift things from Western game development and apply it to, to Japanese titles while it's still at its core and, overall in the, in the in the overall experience there remains very japanese and i feel like there's too much influence from from um from the u.s in japanese titles contemporary titles um specifically to where we're seeing games like metal gear being more open worldy kind of like our um our witcher threes and far cries and stuff like that like i still kind of want metal gear to still be metal gear which to my understanding um i haven't played it i don't own it because i don't play any metal gear games really um, to my understanding, like it still feels very Metal Gear, but it's just as like as silly and dumb and like problematic and like uh, and, uh, at times like an odd stage for Kojima's fetishes. Yeah, um, but it it definitely feels less. There's less of that in the game, so it feels mm-hmm. less of that overall. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's definitely like uh, I don't know. So like I I think Bloodborne and the Dark Souls series is one of the the last series that we're seeing that's still very Japanese. Like to me, at least Japanese game design often is um, uh, what's great about it is like, it tends to be a little bit more obtuse frequently yeah. mm-hmm. where it's just like, cool, this is how the system works. Either figure out how to do it and like use it or you're going to have a bad time. Like yeah. that's basically how it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really great in some, like I really like the dark souls games and I like bloodborne a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's quality of life stuff that Western game design does really well. Like having like, uh, you know, not punishing the player as much, having good checkpoint systems. Yeah. Um, like bloodborne could still use a better 
checkpoint system of some sort mm-hmm. um, so that you're not doing the same thing and like losing hours of gameplay. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think that instead of just having Western or Eastern devs taking that quality of life stuff, we're just seeing it go away completely. Like my, my, yeah. one of my favorite eras in gaming is still the PS2 era. Oh, because absolutely. You had an amazing mix of Western devs starting to figure their shit out mm-hmm. and make really, really amazing games. Um and like uh, just like in great great overall titles, yeah. But Japan and like Bandai and Namco uh, or Bandai Namco rather now and like Square Enix and uh, Capcom and everyone was still like Katamari Damashi got made, yeah. Like that game wouldn't get made right now, I don't no, think, no. unless it was an indie game that like. And that's where where I'm seeing like the quirkiness is now just relegated to the indie scene almost, mm-hmm. and you're not seeing major developers make like weird shit anymore, yeah. And that's sort of sad, yeah. I definitely agree with that as well. Um, but yeah, we could have a whole show about that. And I think that we, we definitely should have a whole mm-hmm. show about that. But um, the main emphasis of... Wait, wait. let me actually talk about what I've been play, playing real quick before we jump into that. Um, <laughs> we, we should talk, get Brady in there too at some yeah, point. Yeah, we, I want to ask Brady what he's been playing as well. <laughs> so actually, I'll, I'll go last. So Brady, what have you been playing recently? Uh, so let's see. This week has been uh, Super Mario Maker. Mm-hmm. I cannot put it down. Uh, holy cow. Um, I, I, I never thought it would be that much fun to lay out levels for Mario games, but it is. Um, and it's, it's an absolute blast. It's a great way to like celebrate the 30th anniversary of the franchise, you know, which was today of the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think, you know, that was really cool of them. And there's been a lot of interesting interviews recently where they... Um, uh, like Miyamoto and and the the director of um, Mario Maker himself, they they've been saying that like they're expecting this game to really force them to change how they handle Mario in the future, um, either gameplay wise, mechanic wise, or or something like it, it. It's kind of revitalized them to doing interesting things with Mario, but still keeping it Mario. Um, so I'm excited for that. And then otherwise. Um, Monster Hunter. I am a huge <laughs> Monster Hunter junkie. Yeah, I can't stop playing that game. So that's pretty much been it for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't pick up too much. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to kind of juggle more than two games at once. Um, but yeah, either either if you're if you're managing multiple games, they're usually smaller games that you can kind of pick up and put down. At least that's for me anyway. Whenever I'm right. playing more than right. two, it's like I I'm did pick up. Um, I did pick up Metal Gear Five. Um, because I was a huge fan of Metal Gear 4, mm-hmm. uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, and uh, I absolutely love that game. Um, and I picked up 5, and I played through the first hour of the prologue, and I was like, yes, this is like Kojima, and I'm totally into it, and I'm enjoying it. And then like the moment I hit the open world segment, I completely lost interest. I haven't picked the game up again, because it's I have never been able to grasp sandbox open world type games like that because it's just it i i feel like it's too many options for me to handle one situation mm-hmm. um and the only open world game that i've truly been able to enjoy was uh fallout 3 and that was the very first one i ever did and then ever since then i haven't been able to get into those kind of games again um so i, I find it interesting that you guys brought that up and talked about how uh it, it's a western kind of intake to bring this open world sandboxing because that is becoming very huge and popular in Japan right now. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see stuff like the new Zelda game um, is being developed to be this open world sandbox, um, which makes me nervous 
And it makes me excited at the same time because the whole point of Zelda is to go out and have an adventure and do your own thing. So mm-hmm. I, I'm still looking forward to it. I'm just nervous. <laughs> I do yeah. wonder, like, with the Zelda thing, I'm what I'm hoping is, like, when they talk about being open world, is they just mean that it's, like, the first Zelda game that was, you know, pretty much an open world. You kind of had to yeah. you had to do dungeons in order to a degree, but, like, it was, like, cool, here's... All right, you're out in the middle of nowhere now, and you can go all over this map as long as you have the tools to get to those areas. Right. Um, figure it out. So I'm hoping that's where they go with it. Yeah. yeah. My, my experience with the original Zelda was I did Dungeon 1 because I was super easy to find, and then I mm-hmm. wandered around for hours because I couldn't find the second dungeon, and then I accidentally bombed my way into the ninth dungeon and got my ass <laughs> handed to me. So, like, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's fun, and uh, it's silly and ridiculous, and I was like, well, why is that area so hard? I want to find a better area for me to be in um so i hope it's like that too i have a, a mario maker question just because i almost actually went out today to go buy it but i was like mm-hmm. no you gotta finish mgs5 taking <laughs> king is wednesday like you have to prioritize right now yeah um, right so are there like are there a bunch of like pre-made levels that like nintendo curated and yeah. you start out with like 100 mario levels that are there there's 60 there's 60 on 60. the disc Mm-hmm. Okay, and then and then it's just a shit ton of like whatever like uh, user created content. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's whatever people throw online. All they have to do is beat the level to get it uploaded onto online. Mm-hmm. Have uh, has Nintendo like said anything about plans to to curate in any way like the content that's going online? I know that like uh, users, I guess, can rate it, so that's sort of a way of like user curation to get stuff to the top. Yeah, um, I mean, so users users um, can star it. Um, mm-hmm. which does bump up their ranking. But uh, the interesting thing is they, they have kind of this built-in automation like algorithm to handle the levels where um, it'll watch players play it and it'll actually raise or lower the difficulty of where that level is going to be displayed when you're playing through the 100 Mario Maker, depending on how many deaths you have playing through it or if you quit before you finish the level it'll it'll bump that up and say, oh, this is a harder level. This shouldn't be playable for people that are in easy Mario mode, you know. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's been it's been really cool to see it because um I it's kind of becoming this self driven community, especially with with um with Twitter and social media in general. People are uploading their stages and like capturing their code for their stage and said, Hey, try out my stage and from that, um, if even if you're not friends with that person on Nintendo Network, once you've played their stage, you can choose to follow that particular player. So okay. any level that they that they create, then um, then after, will automatically be be queued up for you to to pick and play whenever you want to. There, so, are you guys, a, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, there's a few things about the system the way it currently is that like I have a feeling they're going to patch once they you know once the launch hype settles down a bit, but. When you follow a creator, like DJ, I followed you the other day, mm-hmm. um, you don't get a notification when they post a new level. Oh, okay. So you have to actively go to your follow list, which isn't too big of a deal, mm. but you have to go to your follow list to see all the levels that people have uploaded. So if you forget to do it, you might miss out on a level that your friend made, and mm-hmm. they'll be bummed that you didn't comment on it. Um, some things that I really think need to happen... Um, like currently is they need they need Twitter Twitter integration. Yeah. Um because it is really annoying snap like taking a picture of your level code and putting it on Twitter when it would just be great if there was a button that allowed you to post it straight to Twitter. Yeah. Um 
And then I personally would love a standalone app on my phone that could do push notifications and let me know if someone favorited a level or commented on my level. And that could be a part of the Meverse app or whatever. But like, I would love to see a little bit more expanded uh, utility programs with this, with this game. Yeah. This is actually um, like well, kind of what my next question about it was is the fact that Nintendo's online um, <laughs> Nintendo's online service isn't like yeah the best in the world. Do you guys uh, have you guys felt in any way like has that crippled your how Mario Maker works as a community or has not it not at really all. Not, not at all okay n- not at all because um, I think um, at this point with a lot of the games with Nintendo being really social, I think it started really with uh, Animal Crossing uh, mm-hmm. New Leaf where um, it kind, they kind of, people kind of took to social media to like share their stuff in Animal Crossing and when the, you can make new outfits, you can share the QR code to get the outfit in your game and all that stuff. I think that kind of started this kind of self-driven grassroots effort for community stuff outside of the realm of Nintendo's hardware because yeah. it's just not there. So people have kind of taken to Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook to kind of self-make these communities for the stuff to work. So they're de- it's, total, it's total workarounds. It's not a perfect system. It should be integrated into the hardware, but that's a completely different conversation that actually will lead into our topic. <laughs> and that will actually lead it, That actually kind of leads into our topic of what we're going to get to, um, what we're going to get to shortly. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's really hindered the experience at all for me. Um, just the because, nice- yeah, that's because we know, like, oh, well, this, I'll just post it on Twitter. I'll... Take a take a take a photo real quick and post it up, and people will play it, and we'll go from there. Yeah, and the nice thing is, is like no matter how complex the level you make in this game and upload it, it's it's only a couple of bytes of data, right? It's mm-hmm. usually just like a string of information. Like it's ex- incredibly small. So once you say I want to play this level, it loads like any normal level from the game would load. Like you don't, there's no, I have to wait for this to download or anything like that. You're just instantly in the level because it's, it's a tiny amount of data. And then you play the game. It's all smooth. There is no latency issues at all. Like you can, you can throw everything in the kitchen sink at this game, like just placing down enemies and Mm -hmm. contraptions and explosions and whatever. And you will not see a drop in frame rate anywhere. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah, are there um, just because I'm I'm I love the Mario platforming games, mm-hmm. um, and I always have because they're all they're all great. And I know that Mario Maker has templates for like different eras of Mario. Basically, mm-hmm. right. um, are there momentum differences based yes. on? Okay, so like you know, Mar- Mario Nintendo NES Mario is going to control like NES Mario versus SNES yeah. Mario is going to control there, different. There's subtle differences because they've they all kind of had to make them compatible with one another. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, yeah, there there will be very physics-specific things that you can only do in certain um, themes and gameplay mechanics that are only in certain themes. Do you get locked into that theme? Is it like, cool, if you're going to build a level that's um, you know Super Mario World, uh, mm-hmm. Super Nintendo Mario, then yeah. is it all assets from that range? Or can you put like NES Mario assets in there as, as well? No, but... So, so you are locked to the theme that you're creating in. You can you can change the theme any at any time while you're making the level. That's Once cool. you upload it, that theme is set. Mm-hmm. Um, but any asset that you want from the original Mario Brothers is going to have its like perspective representative item. So mm-hmm. like there's always going to be a piranha plant 
yeah. you know, no matter what theme you're in. The only thing that changes is um, one of the power-up nodes is... Um, so in, in, in normal Mario Brothers, it's called the Mystery Mushroom, mm-hmm. which is the amiibo feature, uh, which is great and adorable, and I yeah. love it. Um, in Mario 3, it's the raccoon uh, leaf. Mm-hmm. In Super Mario World, it's the flying feather. And then in New Super Mario Brothers, it's the propeller hat. So it's basically the flying power-up from that game. Um, mm-hmm. And those all handle very differently. Mm-hmm. Is uh, and this is like one more question about it, just because I haven't looked into it a whole lot. What's the what is the um, amiibo? I'm always confused as to like which amiibos, amiibos, which amiibos <laughs> do what for what games. So what is like the amiibo? Um, like what does it do for Mario Maker? Okay, so cu- uh, currently all released amiibos, all officially released amiibos, work, and they all have their own specific. Um, not feature, but they all have their own specific costume is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it is, is you have to be in, in original Mario Brother mode. It doesn't work in any other mode. But uh, you scan in your Amiibo like uh, I have a gold Mario. Uh, I scan it in and this little gold Mario shows up and it turns into a mushroom and I can stick it in a block or whatever. And then when you're playing through that level... If Mario hits that block and the mushroom pops out and he gets it, he turns into that golden Mario. And it has a special sound effect. And if you press the up button, he'll do a pose. And sometimes <laughs> it'll have its own like custom sound effect. But it's fully sprited and it's it's all custom. And uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful because it's literally any amiibo that you have on your shelf yep. will have that unique feature. So if you... I, I did a Sheik in one of my levels. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, when you transform into Sheik, she like you know has like really graceful little running sprites, even though she's like a little tiny Mario kind of character. But if you hold up, she transforms into Zelda and it plays Zelda's lullaby. But it's only while you're holding the up button, and so she immediately transforms back into Sheik when you start running through the level again. Oh, cool! Um, so it's it's really clever and it's it's super cute. Yeah, um, it's really great seeing like all these original eight bit sprites for characters that didn't exist back then. And you you only have access to those uh, those sprites or those costumes using the amiibos, right? No, actually, no, no. no. Uh, so you can unlock all of the amiibo costumes and all of the other costumes um, by playing through the hundred man Mario mode, mm-hmm. which is um, it it gets a set list of eight courses or sixteen courses depending on which difficulty you're playing on, and then once you play all the way through that, you unlock a costume. And so what it is, is there's 50 costumes that are from Amiibo, and then there's an additional 53 costumes that you can only unlock by playing through it. And you can unlock all 103 just by playing through that mode. That's really cool. So the Amiibo is just a fast track way to get hold of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah, it's because sometimes like with Amiibo stuff, um, I... It always just feels like I'm buying an I'm buying a figure for DLC, which I'm not against at all. Right. Um, because with deal, I mean it's it's better than just getting digital whatever with DLC, frankly. Right. Um, but uh, usually it's not compelling enough to me, or it's stuff that I'm like, oh, I wish that shouldn't be gated, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, right. So that's really really cool of Nintendo that it's just like it's all there. Mm. 
Man, I'm excited to play it now. Talking about it with you guys, I'm, I'm more excited to play it than I already was. Yeah, oh, it's, it's so fun. it is so much fun. It's so much fun. And then <laughs> when you're playing through it, like you'll get a notification saying that you're about to unlock more uh, more pieces, more customizable pieces to uh, add to your levels. So it just makes you want to play even more so that the truck gets to you faster so that wait, you wait. can like get the stuff. It tells you that you're about to, not that you have necessarily. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you get a notification when you, you unlock stuff, but it mm-hmm. tells you that you're about to, like you're close to the achievement to unlock something or... yeah. So this, that's, this is um, oh, that's crack. That's total crack right there. Yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, this is actually kind of a fun thing that you guys brought up. So this was a, a day one patch essentially. Nintendo threw it together at the last minute, um, which I think is great because they were listening to all their review copy people their complaints about the game. Uh, so initially, Mario Maker had it where uh, you had to be creating a level for I think it's like five or ten minutes. And then it would say, okay, you, you've got a handle on, you know, the current assets that you have at your command. Um, you'll get more stuff tomorrow. Um, and then you would have to wait till the next day for those new enemies and platforms or whatever to show up. And people were like, well, this sucks because it takes nine days to unlock everything. Um, and you could do the, like, Animal Crossing time skip. But, you know, that's a huge castle. You're jumping in and out of the game constantly. Um, so they did patch it, like, literally the day before launch, I think, um, where if you play for five minutes, it goes, hey, you're going to get those assets tomorrow. And then if you keep playing, I think it's an additional 30 minutes or 45 minutes, it goes, oh, your stuff showed up early. That's cool. You can keep making with all this new stuff now. So it only takes a couple of hours to unlock everything. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, also, that's like uh, such an addictive thing to do. It's just like, hey, you're getting close to getting this stuff now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's a cute. It's like a, it's like a little like moving truck. It's like, hey, guess what? You're about to get some new stuff, and and it'll, it'll give you a date to say when it'll become available. If like if you stop playing after that for whatever reason, oh, it'll become available like on Sunday. But if you kept, keep playing, it's like, oh, it came early. Here you go. And then, so it's like, yes, more man, stuff it- to make. <sighs> If Nintendo does one thing right, and they do many things right, but if they do one thing right, it's being fucking adorable. God, yeah, uh, that's such a, that sounds really awesome. It's yeah, it's really it's really really great. Um, I'm I'm in love with it as well. And oh. um, so that we can kind of jump in, I'll kind of keep my what I've been playing this week really short. I've also been playing a lot of Mario Maker. I love that game to death, and I'm always perpetually, forever playing Splatoon and Smash Brothers. So all Nintendo, we need to do more everything. Splatoon. So. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing... I feel like I come home from work every day and I play Splatoon for at least an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. Lots of I, I'll, I'll hop in with you guys one of these nights. Yeah. There you go. Because like, I, like, I texted Ruben a couple days ago. <laughs> oh, it, was, it was on uh, the three-day weekend. I was like, Ruben, what are you doing? He's like, I'm playing Metal Gear. I'm like, you need to be Squid Kids. I know, and I was just like, I don't even think I responded because I was you like, must get through Metal Gear. You did, must yeah. get through Metal Gear. I will be extremely rude and just play Metal Gear yeah. forever. I was like, that's fine. I was like, I get it. Because that was me when... Everybody was like, oh, you should play Final Fantasy with us. I was like, nah, bruh. I'm playing Smash Brothers. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I'm done. But, um, yeah, thanks for sharing everything that you've been playing with us, Brady. That's been amazing. And, uh, and your impressions of Mario Maker 2 and your insight on this stuff has actually been really, really, really awesome because you knew a lot more than I did. So that's <laughs> really awesome of you. And with that, we're going to kind of jump into the main topic of the show, which is pretty much all about Nintendo and all about the NX. So right now, um, my Nintendo news, um, I happened to see this on Twitter a couple days ago. Um, Shout-outs to Nintendo Tweet on Twitter. She's awesome. She was the one where I... She linked the article. Like, 
in a retweet on Twitter, so I found it because of her. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's this huge um, list of NX rumors. So with this, of course, like, take it all with a grain of salt. But there's a lot of really cool stuff in here that I think could actually be legit. And I would love to kind of discuss with the two of you, because Ruben and I, we kind of got, in, got into it a little bit about it. And I'm like, let's save this for the, yeah. for, for the podcast, because it's really, really good. Um, so there's a lot of really neat pieces of information in there, and um, it looks like it was um, someone apparently from Nintendo that's under restrict NDA with NOJ said um, information, the information that was gathered was from March 2015 um, up until I believe around now. Um, looks like they've been, they've been filing lots of different patents for things and what they've been planning um, but kind of the meat and potatoes of it, um, a couple of things that kind of, um, that kind of stuck out to me was, um, it's basically the fourth bullet point down on the article is that the NX is a platform and it's not tied with a single device. Now, this is interesting because when you guys asked me to come on, I was like, oh, I, I should research and, and, and look into everything. Um, so I was pulling up everything that Nintendo has said officially mm-hmm. about the NX, which isn't much right. outside mm-hmm. of. Iwata's uh, initial announcement. Um, every single every single time they have mentioned NX, they have always, always, always said platform. Yeah, it is a dedicated video game platform. They've never said console, but I've always looked over that whenever I look up NX stuff. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and um, I I thought that was interesting as well because I remember reading um, a, a a press release. Um, pieces of information in regards to investor meetings with Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And they even said then they're talking about they want the NX to be a platform very similar to, like, an iOS or Android, meaning that pretty much it's ubiquitous and whatever devices are made, it'll run the same software on all those devices. So anything that you purchase between those things, depending on whatever the limitations of the hardware is, will be compatible with those things. And that's something that um, Nintendo was needed to do, I believe, for, like, the past, I don't know, 10 years ago, they needed to be thinking about doing this, like, with the Xbox 360 and PlayStation, um, especially with the PS3, um, the PSP and the Vita, with PlayStation Network tying into all of those, all of those devices. Um, it's really, it's a really beautiful experience now, specifically with PS3, PS4, and Vita. It's a really wonderful thing, like, there are certain games that, you would do cross by four and you would automatically get the Vita version of that game um, downloaded to your device or whatever, or whatever it was. Um, and the fact that those devices, you know, are tied to like a sign in and not a piece of hardware is what is where they need to go. And yeah, right. yeah that, that's kind of like my, my thoughts on that when they when they're talking about platform. It's interesting. Cause I think, I think what the rumors are saying at least is, mm-hmm. um, we're, I think we're going to see video games head towards this almost device uh, device uh, agnostic sort mm-hmm. of uh, way of thinking about things, right? Where yeah. it's not because, like, even with the PlayStation, you still have like your PS4 plays PS4 games, right. and your Vita plays Vita games, your right. PS3 plays PS3 games, etc. And more and more and more, like, and we're seeing it with TV too, where we're moving away from everything is streamed, and I, I think we're still quite a ways away from games being 100% streaming because of lag issues. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but, especially in America. Yeah, because America's our, our network infrastructure is shit for a first world country. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, but part of that is our sprawl and, you know, a billion other things. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that um, Nintendo, who to me tends to drag their feet more than most of the other major players, mm-hmm. if they do this on the timeline that we're talking about, which is like finding stuff out about this as early, whether or not we're going to see launch stuff, I don't think we're going to see any sort of launched hardware, but at least finding out about it early as spring of next year, mm-hmm. this is going to put them ahead of the curve uh, than everyone. And, and I think we see Microsoft moving that way where uh, like games for Windows isn't a thing anymore um, or whatever it was called. I think it was called games for Windows. Mm-hmm. Um, now uh, with the new, like the new um, Xbox One's getting an update in November and Microsoft has been very blatant. But they're like, yeah, the new dashboard update and OS update for Xbox One is Windows 10. Like your Xbox One is just going to be running a heavily modified flavor of Windows 10. Um, well, the same was true with the 360. Mm-hmm. That was a heavily modified Vista, I think. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget so, the Dreamcast was Windows CE. CE. It was. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting. And now, like I was, I recently was able to uh, to use the um, the Windows 10 remote play function, mm-hmm. and it works fucking great. Like, I was playing uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, which is like, we talked about this in our earlier show, but it's kind of, it's a little bit Twitch heavy. Um, it's maybe not as um, as demanding as like a, a multiplayer FPS, um, but it's still a game that like requires a lot of precision input, uh, a la Super Meat Boy. And it was, the, the experience was good. And when I tried to have that same experience with a PS Vita uh, or a PlayStation TV on my bedroom TV and my PS4 in the living room, it was awful. Yeah, it was ter- my my PS Vita did a better job of remote play when I was in LA with my PS4 <laughs> than wow. my PlayStation TV did in my bedroom. Wow! Uh, just because for some reason, even though they're supposed to be the same guts, the Vita handles uh, remote play way better than PlayStation TV. Um, but that idea of like, cool, uh, you basically have and like Sony has this, and so does Microsoft, which is good, is that you just log in and all of your games are there. You have access to all of your games, and you can download them anywhere and now we're getting with Microsoft and Windows 10 being so um, tight at the hip now I think we're moving more towards like cool if you have this game on Xbox uh, you're going to see some abilities to play it on your Windows devices if you're somewhere else Mm -hmm. um, if you have access to it and whether that means that it's going to be a cross buy which I think they've talked about the possibility of that in the future um, if there is a like PC version of the the game um, or it's just a, a streaming option from your console itself just this idea of device agnosticism where you can play anywhere on anything that has an app that like ties into your console or supports it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds, what I'm hoping is that the NX is this, that the NX will have some dedicated hardware. Like there'll be the, the uh, rumors here mention a new handheld device. And I'm hoping that new handheld device is like the, the focal point of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know uh, yeah, if they want to release um, an iOS app for it that either streams it or they make it so that games can just function within that environment. It's like, yeah, there's games that you could easily play on your tablet. Yeah. Um, or just experiences that like mm-hmm. enrich it. Where if it's like, like say Mario Maker, um, maybe I'm not home to play it, but I have some time, like it's my lunch break, and I want to like maybe look at some levels that people made. Mm-hmm. And not just look at them and be like, oh, that level looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Let me like add that level to my queue so that when I go yeah. home, it's there and it's ready for me to play. Yeah, exactly. Um, that really smart functionality. Or even if it would just let you play levels. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, you know, it might not be like the same experience as having a joystick in my hand, but mm-hmm. like, let me play these levels using the touchscreen with some like virtual buttons. Yeah. Um, 
and you know try it out before I go home and like play it or whatever else. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if Nintendo would ever go the virtual button route. Like the the directional pad is such a cornerstone of their company. Like I don't think they would ever give up physical buttons um, for controlling a video game. Do you think that they would release a a Bluetooth controller or something along those lines that would be compatible with a tablet? I think I think the tablet that they would most likely re- release would look something like the gamepad. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it would be a straight up tablet. I they don't want to get into that kind of territory. They still want it to be a, a video game console primarily. Mm-hmm. Or well, th- I mean well, do you, do you think that we would see this on other devices, like that they would have some some uh, compatibility with, like, you know, an iOS or Android environment to play their games? I don't know about maybe full-on playing their games, but I do think there might be um, some sort of, like, added experience piece to them. But I feel like, at least as of right now in the current state of games, um, when... when um, when the Wii U came out, they're talking about, oh, what's the gamepad? It's the gamepad. Then everybody else was kind of talking about, oh, second screen, second screen, second screen. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically with the um, the Xbox One and like the Xbox Live app that you could have on iOS, Android, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, certain games would have extra content for um, either extra content or um, or some sort of add on add on piece to that. Like I remember specifically for dance central um there was uh, like a companion app that they developed for that you would activate by logging into your xbox live account on the app and then you could like basically like select songs or queue up songs that you wanted to play all from the tablet versus using the connect or any of that stuff and then that kind of went away because i feel like that with the development cycles of games as they are developers don't have the time to develop companion apps for these things so they're just like that's not our priority our priority is shipping the title on the hardware that it's intended to be on. So I right. feel like it's still in a really weird position. I would like to see Nintendo kind of be the frontiers of actually having their devs create full-on experiences to tie in with their titles, kind of like with this Pokemon Go thing mm-hmm. that's happening, like having some sort of tie-in experience from their console experiences or their dedicated hardware handheld experiences with the mobile experience too, where you could at least manage and do things from your phone. Right. Well, so sometimes it's even just a matter of like supposedly this is the shame about second screen experiences. I forget mm-hmm. to use them completely. Yeah. Right. Uh, supposedly Metal Gear Solid Five has a great one where basically uh, the iDroid, which is like Kojima at his finest of making dumb jokes um, by con- combining iOS and Android, but the iDroid is like your menu device that you use for maps and like a bunch of functions. Mm-hmm. Supposedly the second screen function for that game is just having your iDroid on your phone or your tablet or whatever, so you yeah. never have to actually pull it up in game. You can go to your phone or use your phone for that and have it up constantly if you want to, mm-hmm. which is like right. really cool. Uh, and I think there's there's talk that um, Fallout Four is basically to like turn your second screen into your Pip Boy. Um, yeah, there's gonna be like a dedicated Pip Boy app. Yeah, and then if you bought the special edition, you can jam your phone in the big plastic Pip Boy and then like really nerd out and like, use it <laughs> as a real Pip Boy. Um, so and, like yeah, even just that stuff would be cool. Right. So so. From what I've read about the uh, DNA uh, partnership that Nintendo has done, they're kind of they're almost looking in the opposite direction, which is completely Nintendo. 
um, where instead of creating apps or making mobile games that uh, enhance games that they currently have, they want their mobile games to encourage people to pick up full experiences on their consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of like, oh, well, this ties into Super Mario Maker, it's going to be like, no, here's a Mario game that maybe loads levels from Mario Maker. But if you really want to experience Mario Maker and building games in it, you're going to have to get the full game kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely see it like they're going to make fun games. You know, this is all in my head where I hope everything turns out okay. They're going to make really, really fun (laughs) games, but they're going to be standalone. And then they're going to be like, hey, if you like this, you should check out our full-fledged Pokemon game or our full-fledged Zelda game where it's not just, I don't know, catching pea hats in a basket or something. (laughs) Yeah, so I imagine that it'll it'll kind of do that thing where it's like, if you enjoyed this, like, pick up the game and then it's like do you want do you wish to purchase this right now from with your nintendo network id you can confirm the purchase of this title boop press the button and then it's like doing its thing in the internet and then when you come home you've got that full experience on your home nx piece of hardware or on your dedicated portable nx piece of hardware that's the full experience that they're talking about i guess maybe yeah. this is this is only like tangentially related but i just yeah. thought of it when you guys were talking about um full experiences on your phone do you guys remember baktai it was a kojima game yes oh i love baktai so like why like that game was before its time in my opinion yeah. um now that yeah. we have like phone screens it can actually like sort of see outside and they have sensors built in already for that. How fucking cool would a fucking Bokhtai game be on your phone? That would be like, so cool. Because you're already outside all the time. But it's, yep. ne- it's, not, it's never going to happen, though, because Kojima's not at Konami, and Konami's not interested. Yep. Oh, but uh. what? Um, it's interesting you talked about the, the home. So, like, in, in the rumors here, they talk about how the Wii U is still probably going to be in the picture as, like, the main hardware component. Um, at least for a while. Uh, that we won't, like, see a, a actual, um, like, NX home system mm-hmm. till 2017 we'll see a portable before that yeah. um and the portable is going to be sort of just you know the um they're replacing the 3ds and i uh that that sort of worries me just because nintendo has had problems with branding like in general yep. the wii u being a massively glaring example yes. of that problem yes. the wii selling crazy well the wii u uh, not doing great right now sort of having a renaissance of really good great first party titles that's helping the hardware uh, mm-hmm. sales yeah but in general still just not doing great and so it seems um if they had the install base that the wii had i could see it being like cool let's make a tie into the wii we'll do a, a huge os update on the wii uh, or on the wii u and we'll just make it all work with some, something that people already have but with a system that isn't in that many homes right now and that's a little bit, I mean, it still makes games that look great, so even the outdated thing I don't care about. Mm-hmm. But with one that the install base isn't huge, and I think with more confusion, mm-hmm. I, would be, I would be hesitant to, like, position the Wii U as, like, the NX home thing. I would rather see them just, like, be like, cool, here's your NX portable, and then we'll have, like, a, a proper NX thing coming out soon. Or, or just make the portable the entire system. Like, have a home dock to play it mm-hmm. at home, but make the portable the entire system. Well, okay, so that's kind of an interesting point. Um, so this article that I I have pulled up, it's it's pulling from the same leak, but uh, they have slightly different information. So again, take it with a grain of salt. 
Um, but according to these guys, they're saying that the crossplay feature that is going to be supported by NX is actually going to allow players with older gen consoles play these newer games. Mm-hmm. So even though a game is developed for an NX platform, you can play it on your Wii U, according to this article. Um, so we're it's basically, it. it's like a, a future compatibility instead of backwards compatibility. Um, so it, to me, it's interesting because then it's like you can still get the newest Nintendo games for your current console so you don't feel like you're burned out because you just bought a Wii U. Um, but then, you know, if you want to step up to the new NX, you can. Um, mm-hmm. And still enjoy all your stuff. And there's there's a couple of things in the in the larger list that you guys have linked where they're talking about how uh, you can buy it for one platform and then it's playable on all platforms. Mm-hmm. So... Um, which is going to really screw with pricing. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, most I, I, people don't want to buy a handheld game that's more than $40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's weird. Like, I just... Um, if if the NX is going to stream that content to an older system, I get. But if it's actually going to be processing it locally, then to me the question just becomes like, okay, well then, like, what what fidelity sacrifices am I making for the games on NX that maybe require more. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen it with the new 3DS and the 3DS. Uh, some games run faster or look a little bit sharper on the new 3DS than they do on the, the current 3DS. Um, at some point, we're going to see games that require the new 3DS yeah. um, right. because the, the sacrifices are just too much. And um, I'm just, I'm curious, like, if they use a streaming system, then it's fine because it's whatever. If they can get, you know, the networking stuff to work well. Right. Um, I would just hate, it would be weird to me to be like, cool, um, this game is going to cost this much. If you have the new hardware, it's going to look great. If you have the old hardware, it's going to look like shit. Um, like, you yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to run slower, but you're going to pay the same price, price. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, and it's a really like sticky wicket to get into. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of an interesting thing um, because uh, Capcom has handled this in a, in a very interesting way with the last Monster Hunter game that came out. Um, So Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate um, has two sets of textures stored on the um, cartridge. Mm -hmm. So it can detect what system you're on. And so if you're playing a new, or a 3DS, an original 3DS, it looks fine. It looks like a great 3DS game. But if you're on a new 3DS, it'll detect that you're on this better hardware and load in the better textures. So it the game still looks good on both versions. It, huh, okay. it, I don't think like you're going to be sacrificing something by playing. I mean, yes, it's going to look like a Wii U game, but mm-hmm. Wii U has great looking games. Oh, so, sure. We've I think I've said to, to DJ before that mm-hmm. the Wii U, if nothing else, what the Wii U proves on the graphical level is that we don't really we don't really need like the hardware race to keep going at this point. Like yeah, it, right. it's now coming in. Like if you want like um, photorealism, that's fine. But if you're just using really good art direction in your games, um, like mm-hmm. at no point do I play Splatoon and go like, oh god, this looks like shit. Like that never. Right. Or or any Mario game, I'm always like, God, this looks amazing because yeah. it's good art direction. Right. Um, and they're using things smartly now. 
I never play games that are like hyper realistic looking on on Nintendo uh, hardware because that's just not. I don't know maybe if there's a Metroid game and they decided to make it look very real. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't think like it, it, we necessarily need crazy hardware for it. I just it, I feel like what you do need is you need something that pushes HD well, which the Wii U does do. And if they want the NX to, I w- I still think the smart way to go to me is like have the actual console just be your portable little NX. Um, right. But that means that you're going to have to have that tiny thing pushing 1080p. Um, and the rumors here are listing less than that. Um, yeah. And I think that not even, I don't even think they're listing 720. I think they're listing 540 or something. Yeah, yeah. It, um, 540, that's unless what, 720 goes down. Yeah, that's what they're saying. They're saying that um, they'll show the portable in, in spring 2016, will be out by the end of the year or spring in 2017. At the maximum, specs will be higher than the PS Vita, but nothing mind-blowing. Screen resolution should be 540p, considering 720p if cost goes uh, cost go down because right. the 3ds is problematic. Like, the Vita is insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, it it yeah. is an insanely impressive for a handheld it's incredible. system. Um, the thing I, I always get caught up on this is like all my buddies they'll watch trailers for 3ds games and they're like, oh that looks like ass. You know, like it looks terrible. And I'm like, well you're viewing like a 240 or 360 <laughs> you know p on a big screen. Of course it's going to look terrible. But when you actually play it on the console, it's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it looks great. Yeah. But people, I keep seeing these requests, and I actually have people come up and talk to me about, like, well, why doesn't Nintendo have 1080 in their next handheld? Like, why is that? Why don't I think that's going to be a thing? And it's like, well, you. Most people come to me and they they say it as like, well, my cell phone has it. It's like your cell phone is six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred dollar device. Mm-hmm. Like Nintendo has always been about being accessible to anyone's price range. They want. It, it, it kind of goes back to like a uh, uh, Gunpai Yokoi quote where he talks about how they prefer withered technology um, where it's older, thus it's cheaper, but they know how to exploit it to get great things out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thus it's affordable to everyone. And I think that's a big deal with Nintendo. They want something that everyone can pick up and play. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're not going to see 720 unless the price goes down, which I'm fine with. Yeah, and I think it really depends on what the use of the NX is going to be, right? If, right? if there's going to be a home system, then, like, cool, that's the thing that's going to push out HD-level graphics. But right. uh, if they're going to make the portable the actual system and you, you just dock it, that's where I feel like, okay, like, to me at that point, we have to have HD being pushed. Because when you start putting that on someone's, you know, 50, 60-inch TV in their house, it's going to look real bad if you're not at least right. pushing 720 minimum. Um, so it'll be, it, it really is all about what the usage is because like 720p, 1080 is, I mean, yeah, your phone has it and like new phones coming out have, uh, 4k displays. It's mm-hmm. overkill. Like your eyes aren't seeing anything at yeah, that point right. um, or any difference. You, you know, the human eye is not going to really see the difference between those, those things. It's exactly. just sort of masturbatory stats. Yeah. They're total buzzwords that for, for consumers. Um, and I'm um, speaking of that, speaking of uh, kind of the, the cross-functionality and the, the visuals and kind of that nature. I'm looking at this article again, and it's talking about, because we were talking about the home console piece, they're saying that the home console can connect with the portable to send its own versions of the games you buy. Um, you will use it, it'll use the same tech as the Wii U gamepad, to do, gamepad for streaming to do that, or the internet connection. The home will have backwards compatibility with the Wii U, Gamepad should be compatible as a controller, considering selling it as considering blah, 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 considering selling it standalone, and can connect with the portable 
for off TV and backwards compatibility. Wiimote compatibility is being considered too. As for support, since the new home unit won't have an optical drive, they're considering an external one. Also being considered Nintendo Network ID slash eShop backwards compatibility for titles brought onto the eShop. Seems which like, needs to happen. Which has to happen. Yeah, that absolutely. has to happen. That has to happen. Yeah. It absolutely has to happen. Because um, I think people would be, more, would be more apt to jump knowing that their stuff can work because like the common use case that I've heard from my, from my peers, stuff like that. It's like, oh, well, I waited to buy a Wii U because there weren't a whole lot of games on it. Now there are a lot of games that I want to play on it and they're already talking about new hardware. So where does that leave me? So mm-hmm. that definitely needs to be part of it to get that adoption rate to be higher so that right. they can have that backwards compatibility because I would love to be able to have the new hardware that has all these like great sharing features and integrated with social media and all that stuff to work with my Wii U stuff because I love my Wii U stuff and be able to play the new stuff as well. So I think that's definitely, that definitely needs to happen. And if anything that's going to be cross-platform, it has to be the eShop stuff and it has to be the, the virtual console stuff to work across mm-hmm. all platforms. If anything, yeah. at the bare minimum, of what's going to be cross-functional between newer generation hardware and older generation hardware should be the virtual console stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. 100% ridiculous that I have Link to the past on my Wii U, but mm-hmm. I can't get it on my 3DS. Or, you know, even if I could get it, that I have to get it again. Right. Um, right. Like, my progress and my saves on my Wii U should all be mirrored on my 3DS for that game. Absolutely. Um, I, and that's how the entire virtual console should work. Yeah, yeah I think another issue is, like... I transferred over my virtual console purchases to my Wii U from my Wii, um, but I can still only play Super Mario RPG on the Wii channel. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to put considerable pressure on them to step up their virtual console game before this comes out. Yeah. Because all these virtual console games that they have promised, people will eventually be able to buy upgrades to, to the Wii U version. Mm-hmm. If the Wii U suddenly becomes a platform for the NX operating system, basically. Um, they need to have some way for you to get it from two stages back of backwards compatibility, basically. Mm-hmm. If it's stuck on the Wii, it needs to be on the Wii U before we can jump it up to the NX. Mm-hmm. What worries me there is, is, is right now, like, if you, like you're talking about uh, VC games for Wii, mm-hmm. right now Nintendo's work, workaround for that is to go on the Wii U to uh, start an instance of an emulator for the Wii that yeah. starts an instance of an emulator for Super Nintendo or Nintendo. Yeah, no, and that, that's exactly the issue. And it's terrible because, you know, if, if, uh, if my Wii U could just have a channel that's like, hey, uh, here's your, you know, Super Mario Wii VC purchase, and I could just fire it up, and it was doing all that stuff in the background, but I didn't have to see it. From a consumer perspective and a player perspective, I wouldn't really give a shit. Because I'm just like, cool, it's firing it up and I'm fine. Um, the hardware side, though, because I know how intensely uh, processor-heavy and like inefficient emulation is, mm-hmm. for a system to be like inception in itself into emulation <laughs> yeah. um, is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. that's, it, it's so such the a crazy, waste the crazy thing with... Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's, uh, that's fine. Go ahead. So the crazy thing with Nintendo and, and their virtual console program, and I can't speak for any other, I, I can't say anything about PlayStation Now or how, how they handle their emulation, but with Nintendo, they build an emulation software for each specific software. Like, yeah, they have a base set, like, this is our basic 
Super Nintendo emulator, right? But when they plug the game's ROM into it, they go in and they comb through it very specifically to make sure that it accurately recreates the experience that you would have gotten on the original console. So there is slowdown where there's supposed to be slowdown. They do that with every single title, and that's Jeez. why it's so slow. Yeah. But now we're to the point where like, you have these emulators that are running these console or running these games, but they're stuck one generation back. Mm-hmm. So like this is do they have to start over from scratch? You know, do they have to redo this emulation for the Wii U? And that's why it takes them so long. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I mean, ideally, the NX should just have a emulator of sorts built into it that can mm-hmm. just go, okay, cool. Like, we're going to emulate a Super Nintendo game now. Or we're yeah. going to emulate and, an S game now. Or something along And maybe, lines. maybe in the future, the virtual console itself will just be a completely different branch of the os so they I, never have to worry about upgrading think, the emulators again. absolutely i think that it should be as well either that it needs to be its own like the virtual console channel should just be a section of of the nx or whatever well it, it, it should be its own platform it should I be think. Its own, yeah it should be its own platform and it should be cloud-based like it just i don't under, i don't understand i mean i'm not a programmer so of course i don't understand but like i just feel like there's so many better options to handle this to make the con- the rollout for content a lot faster. Yeah. So I the, the best the best option to handle it is streaming, yeah. but it's also the worst option because a not everyone has high speed internet, internet and b like we mentioned before, our infrastructure sucks. That's why PlayStation now exists and it's also why I, I haven't like seen any hard numbers, but at least from usage case from like what I've heard from people, mm-hmm. I don't think that many people are using it. Yeah. Um and it's a great great idea especially that you can do i think that you can do a subscription like service now where it's like 20 bucks a month or whatever it is and you just have everything um and that's amazing Mm -hmm. but again like that's because if i remember correctly and i could be wrong about this the way playstation now is working is you are literally like firing up ps3s and ps2s like server racks basically yeah yeah of those systems distant um, and it's, you know, it's like the emotion engine is literally in, uh, in a, like a server space somewhere yeah. firing up to get your game going and stream the video back down to you. Um, and that is sort of the most elegant way to handle it because you don't have to have the processor overhead of your local system. Yeah. But right. now you're having to deal with lag issue um, and network infrastructure, which is a, a mm-hmm. whole other issue. Right, and that's that's like on a completely different scale than what Nintendo could handle. Yeah, because like what we see with streaming with the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four, both companies that own these systems are multinational, huge. Like they are conglomerates essentially. They they have their fingers in everything, so they can afford huge data centers, and mm-hmm. and and have these very specific. PS3, PS2 server racks mm-hmm. to fire up these specific things per individual user. Um, like like that whole Xbox One boast back when they first were talking about it, where it was like, every Xbox One will have a hundred dedicated servers just for it, or whatever the number was, mm-hmm. um, for its Azure network, for its, its cloud computing to take your games to the next level. And it's like, Nintendo could not afford to do that kind of yeah, scale. Right, absolutely Like, not. no way. Because all they do is video games. Mm-hmm. That is their one moneymaker. And yeah, they have a lot of history and a lot of money to sit on, but they can't 
invest that kind of money, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a constant, I mean, you know, if Nintendo, um, Nintendo is doing great, and I think they're still doing okay financially, but the Wii U took a big bite out of the, like, war chest they had built up from the Wii and the 3DS. Um, And that's the thing, is, like, if Nintendo has a console flop, there might not be another Nintendo console. Yeah. Because uh, that's their only business. Microsoft has a billion, you know, if the Xbox division isn't doing great, Microsoft can lean back on something else. Like right now, uh, you know, camera sensors is what's saving Sony's ass. Sony is losing crazy money on mobile devices, but because almost every camera in a cell phone right now, including I think iPhones also, is a Sony uh, optics in there. That's where they're making their money. Sony Optics and PlayStation are keeping Sony afloat right now. Everything Absolutely. else is costing them a shit ton of money. Yep. Um, and that's actually, honestly, even though like Microsoft isn't like winning uh, the console war right now, as people that say, works. it's a little bit more in Sony's, yeah, it's Sony's favor at this point. Um, the way technology is moving and the way where consoles are going, I think Microsoft is more opposed than anyone to be successful because, uh, like for instance, the Azure network, Microsoft owns all that server space. Right. All that shit is theirs. Mm-hmm. They own it. Um, we haven't really had a chance to see the power of it yet. We yep. will when Crackdown uh, 2, 3 comes three, out. 3. 3. Uh, when Crackdown 3 comes out, because Crackdown, like all of the, the in- intensely um, destructible environments you're going to have, that's all offloaded. Like you're not processing the destructible environments locally. That's all cloud-based. Oh, and that's on multiplayer mode only. Yeah, they're not going to have it in single player exactly because like single player. I think that's to to make it so you can play single player um, offline. Yeah, um, but yeah, so you have to be online for that. And if you've seen like the early demo stuff of it, it looks fucking awesome. I mean, I'm I love I, the I'm first not a huge, game. I love yeah, it's a fun the game. First game. But uh, I wasn't. It wasn't super on my radar until I saw that, and I was like, okay, this looks really cool. Like these environments yeah. are destru- like the level of destruction is really cool. Right. And so if we're talking about something that's going to rely more and more and more on server infrastructure mm-hmm. and remote processes, like Microsoft is po- like between yeah. Windows 10 and then every Xbox One becoming a Windows 10 machine mm-hmm. and their own dedicated server stuff. Like Sony, everything that Sony does server-based comes out of their pocket hard. Yeah. I think Amazon is who hosts actually most of their server stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they're Probably. buying server space from Amazon um, to like host PlayStation now. And you know what? Every time people aren't using PlayStation now, but they're supporting it, it's eating money out of their pockets. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, like you said, with Nintendo being such a smaller company, how they handle like where it looks like stuff is going to move. Especially given the fact that it sounds like they might be one of the first companies to start pushing that. Yeah, and um, yeah. and kind of to your point about about Microsoft, really quickly, you made a really valid point because at the end of the day, Microsoft is still first and foremost a software company. They're not a hardware company. Like at, at this point, yeah. um, they didn't really get into the hardware race until like Zune was like one of their first pieces of proprietary like hardware, and it was and, great. I'm gonna totally vouch for Zune. That thing was awesome. It wasn't it wasn't an iPod, but it was very good. Yeah, yeah. Like and I heard good things about them too. And and the thing about it, the thing about it is, is that I think now while the Xbox One looks like a giant VCR from 1985, um, the the innards of the hardware is is good. Like mm-hmm. it's it's good. Like. There just is a whole lot of games for me to play on it, but it's it's a good box of hardware. Like it, there's nothing wrong with it, and I think they're they finally caught up and have found their they're kind of found their aesthetic and their voice in terms of their hardware. And the software has already has has always been there, but and they've made they've made improvements incrementally, and it's and it's made the Xbox 360 experience really really great. I still miss the blades. 
personally. <laughs> I still miss the blades from the three. They were so, so sad. They were so sad and ugly, but man, Boy. it was effective. But um, now to where we are now, it's a really elegant experience. Um, I still think it's kind of with the, with the, the Xbox One in particular right now. It's still really clumsy because they designed all those things initially to be used in tandem with Connect, and then they kind of had to figure out how to surface those those UI things from mm-hmm. from that UI that was all going to be done with voice commands or by hand gestures to navigating it through like a series of menus and and prompts like you have to get really deep in there to kind of find certain things that you could just use with the voice with the voice command but it's it's getting there and I think that with the whole Windows 10 thing I think that'll just make it it makes a lot more sense for it to be a Windows 10 machine it well like and and my big issue with Xbox the, the <coughs> UI for the longest time besides it being a little bit unwieldy yeah. um has been like you know a billion ads in my face immediately which yep. no one else does that to me yeah. um except on occasion my Wii U uh starts chirping at me the the gamepad and is like hey this new game's coming out don't you want to buy it yeah. um which I don't mind right, though, but you can turn that adorable. off well, yeah exactly you can turn so. it off um, I just I'm lazy and I haven't done it um but it's like uh, <laughs> I love it because yeah they are adorable it's like, yeah like every time I, I hear the sound that. I get kind of pissed off but then I see the screen and it's something like cute that Nintendo's putting out and I'm just kind of like, oh, like yeah I guess I'll buy that like and it makes that cute little note, that little noise it's like it's like, bloop. It's like mm-hmm. hey look it's this thing for Splatoon you wanna you wanna buy that. Uh, what I've seen, I'm hoping to get in on the beta for it, um, but what I've seen of the new dashboard overhaul for mm-hmm. Xbox One's UI, mm-hmm. it's the first time I've seen the Xbox dashboard, and I was like, this looks far and away, not just like graphically, because I think it's always had a slight edge of looking prettier yeah. than Sony's UI, mm-hmm. but it looks more useful. Like, yeah. it looks like a better UI 100%, and I'm really excited to try it out because of that. Because cool. that's, that's been why I usually buy my third-party multi-platform games on PS4 yeah. uh, instead of Xbox One. And now mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, I can play it in my bedroom now with streaming, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. And if the UI is easier to use, I might start swapping what I buy my third-party stuff for. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, when, when, you, when you get to that point to where you have everything and you're just like, well, what, what do I buy on what? It's, it's kind of like, well, what do I, what do I want to do? So I think that makes sense for you if it's like, oh, well, I have the stuff that works on, in, on the Xbox and then works on my Windows device in, in, in the bedroom. Like, why not? Why not get it on the Xbox One? It only, yeah. it only makes more sense. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, so to kind of wrap things up a little bit, because we're sitting at an hour 10, um, if you had the choice to really have a say as to what the NX would be, mm-hmm. what would it be? I'm going to ask each of you. I'll go last. Ruben, what would the NX be to you if you had your say? What would uh, it be? Metroid. Just, Metroid. Just, I don't give Metroid a, just, just, make a, just make a goddamn Metroid game. And I know, like, you, I know. You should that. look into Hive Jump on the eShop. Hive Jump? Okay, yeah. I'll check that out. And there's, an, I know there's like another Metroidvania game that was on PS4 recently too. That's supposedly really good, but Hive Jump, I'll look into for sure. Hive Jump looks awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I know this article says that they're working on a Metroid game, mm-hmm. but I'm like, but is that Nintendo working on it, or is it Team Ninja, or is it like, like who is retro? It? Like, there's retro, so many Metroid like, people now. Because, well, because Nintendo doesn't know what the f- like, and this is my gripe every episode about Metroid is that Nintendo doesn't know what the fuck to do with it. Um, and like other M, while it played well. That story is like everything that I love about Samus as a character. They took a big just shit on it. Like, just, <laughs> I I agree, and like this could be a whole different hour long discussion. Oh my god! Um, yes, yes. The thing with with other M, they tried to make Samus more appealing to the Eastern market, 
um, because Metroid has never been popular in Japan. Um, that has always been a series much better selling in the West, um, which is insane. And I could not play that game at all. Like I thought the controls were absolute butts. So they once you get used to them, they're not they're not awful. The swap between third and first person is whatever. But yeah, no, I do I do hate that. It's like oh, let's make it appeal to Eastern audiences by like making her a powerless woman that has to like do the beck and call of a man. And I was like, God damn it, everyone. <laughs> Like just let her be awesome. Uh, but you know, in serious like seriousness, I, I want I want the NX. Honestly, what I would love, I just want it to be a handheld. I want it to be a powerful handheld. Not that I need really like graphically high fidelity games on, in my hands, but give me a powerful handheld um, that I can dock to my TV. Mm-hmm. I can take to my friend's house, and I can dock it to their TV if I want to, or I can. Uh, you know, link it up with their NX and like, you know, a bunch of my other friends and we do like a big monster hunter party uh, where we're all linked up to each other and like just let everything live on that and let me take it places with me. Um, And if I buy and if they do have like another piece of hardware, just make sure that everything that I buy on one of them, I have on all of them. Mm-hmm. And that there's like completely mirrored syncing. So if I'm, you know, if I'm on the road or something, or I'm traveling, and I get this far in a game, the moment my NX hits my home network, it goes cool. I'm gonna upload upload your latest save to the home system. That way, when you fire it up there, it's good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I want. I want a seamless like experience because Nintendo does handhelds better than anyone else. Yep. So why not just focus on making a handheld that you can also use as your home system? Mm-hmm. Brady? So I'm going to have to kind of go with what this leak is telling us and what my research has pointed us to, and that's NX is not itself a particular console or handheld. It's an environment and an operating system and a platform um, that future devices will be able to use and current ones will be adapted to use. so I have a feeling that the Wii U and probably the 3DS are going to get a, a pretty big update um, to be able to handle this kind of stuff. And then these devices that Ruben have been talking about will come out where it is all interconnected mm-hmm. and everything. But like the device itself does not matter because it's not actually NX. NX is this ecosystem of all of your games and your interactions with people and everything. So you, you can buy any NX you want. And it'll still be the same experience no matter where you are. Yeah, for me. So it's like I was I was trying to uh, phrase how I was going to say this while you guys were speaking, but it's like the key to NX is that there is no NX. The NX <laughs> just exists. It's yeah. just this ubiquitous kind of this, this ubiquitous platform that multiple devices, which they will probably create NX branded hardware for but it isn't necessary to have, but they're going to have to be some sort of advantages to entice the consumer to purchase that hardware to where it's like, you only can experience this on the dedicated platform, the dedicated hardware for this. Um, What I would really like to see, um, I want to see the NX do what Sony wanted to do with the PlayStation 3 slash 4 and Vita and just blow it out just, like, blow it out of the water. Like, when they showed that tech video of, like, life with PlayStation, like, I want it to actually be that. But it's life with Nintendo. And it actually works. (laughs) Because 
as much as I love the PS4 and I love the Vita, like when they showed us that life, um, that life uh, with with PlayStation tech demo of what the Vita and PS4 cross communicating with one another would be like, it's not that. It's barely what it, what that was. Mm-hmm. And I want that that the NX platform to be that and then some. Like I want it to be all based in the cloud. I want cloud computing to be a huge part of it. I want to see that cross functionality, the cross buy and cross purchasing of heart of of software titles. Um, kind of like what Brady was saying with Monster Hunter or Ultimate, how it detected, oh, you're on a new Nintendo 3DS XL. Great. Here's the game that sh- that's available on the NX, but we know we can detect that you're on the new Nintendo 3DS XL, and it's going to load the one that's optimized for that, for that device. I want that device optimization to kind of be a thing. I know that's going to take a lot of work to get there, but I think they can do it, especially if they have people like Google, p- people from Google and the Android platform helping them develop this. I want to see that. I was so excited to see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was Well, okay, so the original rumor was that the NX was going to be running Android, and that mm-hmm. horrified me. Right, me too. And I, I, was, I was like, that would be the worst, because that would just encourage the absolute worst shovelware, and Nintendo does not need bad shovelware right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the fact that the this this change of the rumor that it's not Android, but people that worked on Android are, you know, from Google, are working on this. Um, Nintendo has a very bizarre and intimate intimate relationship with Google. Like, they've been the subject of two or three of their April Fool's jokes where they've collaborated together. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're working with Nantic on uh, Pokemon Go. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of Nintendo Google love. Um, so I'm really interested to see if that might play out to be something bigger later on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we just all, I, I feel like that we all collectively just want to see, you know, really awesome games. Oh, of like, course. Really, really awesome games and like really cool hardware to kind of coincide with that. And even if they're, the hardware is something that's really far out in terms of a timetable, just that we still want to, um, we still want to see those great experiences that only Nintendo can deliver. Um, that's that's something that we're never going to get away from. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see post Iwata, what happens with them mm-hmm. um, to see what, what um, whoever the new CEO is going to be and what their, what their vision is and how much influence from Iwata, the new CEO has in his mind going forward. So I'm interested to see where, what that leads to in terms of what types of content that we're going to see. I'm thinking, for some reason, I'm, I'm equating, like, Iwata to Steve Jobs in a way to where, like, there are things that would not have happened if Steve Jobs would st- was still at Apple. And there are things that I think that won't happen, that wouldn't have happened or will never happen had Iwata still been with us. So I'm interested to see where we're going to go from tw- the rest of 2015, 2016 and onward, what's going to happen. Um... I do want to see huge emphasis on creating this connected experience. Um, that's what I love so much about my Apple products is that it's this connected experience that for the most part is re- relatively seamless in getting all of my information from one device to another. I want to see that with this new piece of hardware from Nintendo. I think that we're going to get it judging by some of the things that we've seen in this leak. Um, I'm interested to see where we go from here, but um, yeah. Um, unless anybody else that has anything else to add, um, we can start to wrap up. Well, besides some completely 
uh, aimless speculation. Yes. Uh, it's like if Google didn't have such a stranglehold on the word Nexus with their devices, mm-hmm. looking at NX all the time, I'm like, oh, Nintendo Nexus would make so much sense. That would sound so good. And also, just because we've gone from like the Wii and the Wii U to like Next Us, like it's another. Oh, oh they man. love it. But Nintendo's buying it already. Yeah, right. It's it's that weird Nintendo. Like, well, it was Wii, and now it's you, and now it's us. And I'm just oh. like, oh fuck! See, it's that beautiful Nintendo adorableness. I need to call it uh, Bill Trinan. Hi, Ruben Medina. Hi, hey, yeah, <laughs> Bill Trinan. I got great ideas. I got a salty mouth, but I got some great ideas. <laughs> At Trin Trin, hire this man. Right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much the end of our show. Um, Brady, it's been awesome having you with us. Um, yeah, man. It was yeah. wonderful being here. I really enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad. And so um, for our listeners at home, um, where can they find you? Where, where can they find you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. I'm uh, at uh, Hagen Brady. It's H-A-G-A-N-B-R-A-D-Y. And uh, that's primarily where you'll find me. Okay, cool. Well, again, it's been awesome having you, and you're definitely welcome back whenever you want to come back. Um, we'll we'll definitely get you back on here again for more more things outside of Nintendo. Maybe we can maybe we can get some more information about Halo out of you. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe when it when it comes out and there's stuff that maybe you have things to talk about, we can have you back on. Uh, usually there's about a two year cooldown period. I'm not sure <laughs> the exact details on my, on this current one, but uh, <laughs> I know back at Nintendo it was two years uh, before I could discuss working on any project for them, wow. and then five years before I could discuss the internal stuff that happened. So. You guys heard it here, late 2017. We'll have Brady <laughs> back on to talk about Halo Five. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, um, and then of course, Ruben, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me uh, on Twitter at Rubots, R-O-O-B-O-T-S. And um, I do a bunch of comedy stuff that's all over, but um, the easiest way to find some of it is if you just go to RubenMedina.com, R-U-E-B-E-N-M-E-D-I-N-A.com, and it has um, my voice acting real stuff and, and sketch stuff that I do and um, a comedy podcast I do, Welcome to Super Basement, a whole bunch of dumb stuff. <laughs> and then you guys can find me at um, oh, hey, DJ, O-H. H-E-Y-D-J on Twitter. That's me on everything. Twitter, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, um, Nintendo Network, Xbox Live, and sadly, not PlayStation Network because I can't change my goddamn name, but that's another conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, I'm doing a bunch of Super Smash Brothers stuff so you can buy my Smash shirts. I can post a link in in the, on my Twitter on a regular basis, it's always there. Um, Buy his shirts; they're adorable. Oh, mm-hmm. you're, you're both of you are so <laughs> sweet. Um, and then, yeah, um, I, I I'm a Smash Brothers commentator and and competitor at a at a weekly tournament series called um, Come On and Ban at the Folsom Street Foundry. Um, that's every every Thursday, seven thirty p.m. Pacific Standard Time until midnight. So you can check me talking about Smash Brothers and all that good stuff there. But yeah. Um, it's been a wonderful show. Thank you guys for coming out. Um, thank you, Brady, for joining us yet again. It was amazing mm-hmm. having you. Um, yeah. And, of course, we, we love hearing from you guys because Brady was so gracious to reach out to us, saying that he wanted to be on the show. So he reached out to us on Twitter and texted me because he has my phone number and was like, I want to be on the show. And I said, okay, we can make that happen. Magic happened. It's Ma- magic now. It's, it's magic. It's magic. I'm not going to give everyone my phone number because that would be weird. But if you Come want... Come on, DJ. If, I know you want to. <laughs> Everybody have my number. Um, so if you guys want to be on the show, 
<laughs> feel free to email us at thejoystickjockeys at gmail.com or fill out the form on our website at thejoystickjockeys.com. Let us know that you want to be on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Brady, you left a really awesome comment on our on our show about, because we on our previous show we were talking about representation. And Birdo, thank you so much for that. That was a really cool piece of Nintendo trivia from yeah. you. Um, so yeah, feel free to interact with us on social media. Um, follow the uh, follow the Joystick Jockeys on Twitter to find out all of our updates when we're going to post new shows, all the good stuff. But that's about it. You guys have been amazing. Thanks for listening again, and we will see you guys soon. Do you mind if I close out with a quote? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, finishing up the show, I'm just going to say a real simple quote, but I think this is something that all three of us hope that Nintendo will carry into the future with all of their video game developments. And it is that video games are meant to just be one thing, and that's fun. Fun for everyone. And that was said by Satura Iwata. Man. Man, that guy, man. He was a legend, amazing, and has had a huge impact on all of our lives. Mm Because we've played so many of his games. And it's a shame that he's no longer with us. But we hope that that tradition lives on with Nintendo. I believe that it will. Um, He's at the core of it. So we'll... I think we'll still continue to get that going forward. And uh, yeah, keep playing games, guys, and keep having fun. We love you, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. See ya.